and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan <laughs> watch movies in the cinema and canon. As I was talking, I like, I like inhaled and swallowed some of my spit and that started is, choking. And that is so funny because <laughs> as you started the intro, I was thinking about sneezing, burping, and coughing all at the same time. So that, I, that's I would, basically that's basically what I did. I well, basically, anyways, I, I pushed all of that emotion into my mind. You know, I basically I think I damaged some brain cells. I think you know it's probably something to do with the fat camera that we both chugged water super hard before <laughs> before recording because we were having a side conversation about how we hate when or well i you always laugh because i'm drinking right as you intro the, sh- the show uh, but it's because my response is coming in approximately 30 seconds so i'm like i got time you know like yeah, Mr. You, Incredible, you have to I got yourself. time. yeah <laughs> oh well, i'm sorry anyways, today's today's film is the silence of the lambs directed by jonathan demi starring jody foster and anthony hopkins it kind of threw me off didn't it i just like i <laughs> everything was uh was was so different oh we're uh, fully we're fully it, disoriented you know i didn't tell this i cut this out of the last show cameron but i completely flubbed the intro of the podcast and i just literally wow. gave like i was about 10 seconds in and i was like juzo we're just restarting like i just can't <laughs> <laughs> just so so i feel like maybe it's a spooky month like you know, it's just we're cursed from the start of October. We Who are knows? cursed. Yeah. Jeez. All right. <laughs> well, um, anyways, I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. My name is Cameron Tuttle. And uh, Isaac, we're we're going into October. We're having fun. Okay. It's going to be kind of spooky, but I would say like fun spooky, you know, as, as we usually do. Um, oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I can I, feel that. Isaac, how have you been? You can tell, Cameron, I'm energized. You know, I just want to say, last show I was energized too. It has nothing to do with the fact that uh, today I had four cups of coffee. That has nothing to do with it. Um, sure. I, I just, I, I was telling Juzo, I think it has everything to do with the fact that I live in a place now with air conditioning. And mm. I don't even need to be running it, but I am right now because I'm just power tripping. <laughs> you know, I am just completely energized on the cold. You know, I think, I think this is all that I needed in my podcast life is not mm. to be warm, sweaty, and sleepy, you know? So instead, you know, I, new trend in October, I'm cracking out on a, on a coffee on Mondays and I am cranking the AC and my, and, and I'm about to cough, sneeze and burp at the beginning of every show and I'm flubbing the intro. So, uh, well, I would say, <laughs> I would, I would say you're, you're going to be power tripping for the next like 28 days, until you have to get that that PG and E bill, you know. And oh, well, <laughs> and you're gonna cut that out. <laughs> I think my landlords made a mistake, you know, because I got one of them th- those great deals around rent, um, where they were like, no oh, utilities, utilities included. Amazing. Yeah, no, util- it's just capped. Everything is just in there, and I'm like, oh, you made a mistake. <laughs> wow. wow. So yeah. no, I, I I think like running just like an auto AC. Like at night, it's not running right now, but um, just to keep the temperature consistent because you got to close the windows when you record. And then this 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 MacBook starts heating up to high heaven and suddenly the room is 85 degrees and my body, I am just naturally a very warm person. So uh, I yeah, it's, it is fantastic. I even got, you can see the light going crazy camera. I got the ceiling fan. So ceiling know, fan and that. AC, all right? Just wow. like... You know, you're gonna you're, see you're ice. Gonna be, you're like Superman in his in his ice <laughs> cave. You know, that's the, <laughs> how how have you been, Cameron? 
I've been good. I got engaged last weekend. That's why hey. I wasn't here. I mean, it, it was only partially. I was because like I was hanging out and we were having a good time, and I just I didn't really want to watch the movie. Uh, that was that was mainly the thing. I didn't want to watch the movie, and um, you know, I was hanging out with my fiance, so I I just felt like it was a good it was a good excuse to to miss a show, you know. Um, no, so, definitely. Yeah, but. Otherwise, I've been I've been doing well. Um, still been pretty busy. I haven't really watched that much other than Breaking Bad. Still kind of chugging along on that. Um, and I'm excited because I always I always like to kind of find new horror movies this month. Uh, you know, for October. So I think you know this week I'll, I'll probably I haven't I haven't fully fleshed out our list yet. Um, but you know I'm gonna be sort of. Uh, working on that and maybe maybe experimenting with some new fresh horror movies that I haven't seen yet um and we'll go from there it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah it'll probably uh, my headspace is barely like I'll just be honest with the audience I'm I'm barely focused you know Cameron you got engaged so that was a lot of fun and Juzo was like trying to decide if he should announce and I was like just you know just let Cameron wait for his next yeah. show appearance you know so Juzo was like oh I hung out with Isaac last week <laughs> and that was fun. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm getting married at the end of the month. So it's like, I'm excited for horror month, but I am also not thinking about it. I got to watch this movie last night and, um, I kind of felt like my brain was all over the place with it. So maybe, mm. maybe just take that with a grain of salt in my review, but I have a pretty good way that i want to sum up this movie when we get there have you been watching anything uh outside of breaking bad like movies wise because i haven't watched any other movies besides that but i have been doing something so no no um yeah i really haven't been watching much i'm i'm trying to go and see barbarian um uh with juzo maybe sometime this week but you know it's 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 just been too busy so um but that that is a good a good horror uh, movie edition. Maybe if if we end up watching that, maybe we, me and Juzo could do a uh, a bonus or something on that. Because uh, sure, I think sure. I've heard really really great things about it. So. Yeah, are you guys seeing it? Um, where are you seeing it? That's that's probably the question. Like, I don't know. We don't know. We don't have a a plan yet. So we'll you know it's speculative. Right maybe now. we can triangulate something and, and yeah. uh, figure it out. Well, I the only thing I've been doing media wise because I don't have a TV. Actually, I just got a couch. Saturday, so two days ago, um, and the TV setup is kind of set like going. Um, but the thing that I started doing is replaying 2018's God of War, and mm. I actually been thinking a lot about Juzo uh, when I was playing it because mm. Juzo infamously says video games are not quite there yet in terms of you know storytelling, and you know I have to say Juzo is the most. Uh, like he's just he's just the most like um experienced film watcher and i i, I want to call him like the greatest film critic i know personally but he was he would yeah. be like oh that's too high of praise i know him you know he's like oh you know i'm not i'm not i don't know if what he considers himself if he's like a an actual legit critic but i think he's a scholar so. he's a scholar yes, <laughs> definitely definitely so i i was replaying um the first hour and a half of god of war and I was really looking at it with a perspective of like, what would Juzo think? What would like a like a true <laughs> scholar of film think of this game? Um, and 
it it was hard because it's it's hard to remove myself from a place of just absolutely loving the experience, right? I think the first hour and a half of that game is so cinematically satisfying. The story and the way that it kind of sets up things like to me is like uh, hands down. It's emotionally riveting. The music is just amazing in the in the opening. Um, but I, I tried to really step back and I think I I don't know what it is, um, Cameron, but I it's it's. I, it feels like it's it hasn't been done perfectly where the story and the gameplay mix in a way where it's like this perfect flowing thing. I think God yeah. of War is like 80% there um, where the combat sequences, because I've already played it, it almost feels like the combat is a little bit fluffy. Where I'm like, I don't need these different fight arenas. I know it's part of the game. I'm kind of just wanting to remember the story and the experience. And mm. I would say 70% of my playthrough was I was getting that. And of course, the beginning is very story heavy compared to the later part of the game. But I do remember having that feeling of like, I'm I'm almost, I want less gameplay and more story where there are other games where there's like, it feels much more gameplay oriented and way disconnected from film, right? So it's interesting with like Sony's first party trying to balance this cinematic experience. I mean, God of War is famously all a one shot, you know, experience. Experience. It's like 1917. The, the camera moves with the characters in and out of gameplay, and I think it's it's incredible. But it just kind of sparked an idea here. I was like, we should really do like hour long playthroughs of like God of War with Juzo and just think, see what he thinks. Or do like uh, the first hour of The Last of Us, at least the opening, right? Like to see, yeah. Like, would that spark any interest out of him? I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, yeah. Well, one thing you were just saying about sort of melding gameplay and storytelling, um, it, it is interesting because I, I I kind of agree that most games, especially sort of your standard, um, you know, blockbuster, third-person action role-playing game, you know, where you're sort of... Um, experiencing a story with a character a lot of those games will, will sort of break down their sections into gameplay sections and into story sections and and they're very segmented you know and so everything everything that happens story-wise happens in sort of cutscenes or you know everything else and then you're sort of waiting for that to finish and then you get to the gameplay portion of it and i i think i think it's been a challenge for a lot of developers to mix those together and make the storytelling aspect of it more of the the gameplay element and i, and I do think that's a that's an interesting challenge that is going to be um worked on more and more hopefully in in the future i, I don't think anybody's really gotten it um perfectly yet and i would say you know one of my favorite examples of this storytelling melding um it it's it's kind of unfair actually there's two examples that i could think of um and both are a little bit unfair the first one that i that i love um is uh pt which i was thinking about sort of uh recently mm. um and pt has this beautiful way of um ex having you experience the story um as a part of the gameplay hook you know, and as a part of the the sort of loop in you know in the world, um, but it's unfair because that's a short game. 
it it doesn't it's not even really a game it doesn't count um and uh, it it's 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 not very gameplay heavy i'll say the other ones that i can think of are um like any all the david cage games um, oh, i think yeah. do yeah. do this really well um so you know detroit and heavy rain and whatnot um and then until dawn i don't know if you ever played that uh, no. but that's another good game it's it's a great game that sort of mixes the storytelling element with the gameplay element but uh, but these are very like storytelling heavy games first and like that's their forefront and the gameplay element is kind of is a little bit secondary so it, it's an it's an interesting challenge i think um you know let's keep an eye on it for the future i i, th- I it's something to think about for um when we talk about games as a, a storytelling medium with with juzo for sure yeah i just found that that experience of sitting through the first hour and a half again like to be shocking because I was less inclined to want to play the game and more excited about seeing the story and the acting nuances. There's a moment early on where, um, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a spoiler or something, but, um, Kratos's son, who's the main character, like messes up and he has like a very prolonged reaction to the mess up. It's not just like he's upset and then let's get into combat. Like there's literally an acknowledgement of how he's upset. And then he like is walking and he's walking slower and slower next to you. And you're kind of like, Hey, like, like eventually he stops and you can't really progress because he stops. And then the game prompts you to like call out to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's it's nothing. Like, and I, it was like that story moment that was way more exciting than um, the combat of, like, hitting guys with an axe, which also feels great. But, like, it was just interesting how I was craving more of that, uh, more of those performances in the game than the actual, like, gameplay. So, sorry, Juzo, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, no, they're going to subject me to more torture. But um, I think there's something there, you know? Uh, but this is yeah. not a podcast about video games. It's, of course, about movies. This is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get a couple benefits for the show. You can find all the details there. Shout out to our executive producer, Darren, for supporting the show, especially since the beginning of when Cameron and I were podcasting. So shout out to you, Darren. And uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. We totally get it. We're a small production. Uh, we're a little scrappy ourselves. So uh, really sharing the show or, you know, just listening to it or uh, giving us a rating on iTunes, all that stuff helps. We appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. We thank you for spending time with us hanging out and talking about movies. And with that, Cameron, lead us into this film, which I really didn't expect, um, but it kind of feels like a, a nice uh, kind of backboard to the movies we've been watching. Yeah, I was going to say, it is kind of a segue from from Fincher Month. Um, in a lot of ways, like thematically and sort of tonally, um, It this is a very, very famous movie, um, Silence of the Lambs. And to be fair, it is actually a little bit surprising that you haven't seen it, um, just given its ubiquity in culture. I would say this is like one of the most famous movies um, uh, horror movies, serial killer movies, you know, Fincher-esque type movies um, that 
that exist. And and so it's 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 really stayed in the culture. Um, and many of the sequences and scenes are very um, famous and classic in the sort of uh, you know the the general pop culture sense. Um, but this is not a Fincher movie. It's directed by Jonathan Demme. Um, and actually, you know, uh, kind of a couple years before Fincher, you know, has his his rise. So um, we're moving off of that train. We're going into horror months, uh, our horror month. Um, and this kind of is and is not a horror movie and in several different ways. I love this as sort of an example of um, using the the great effect of a horror movie um, that a horror movie can can have on you as a propellant for um, for character growth, a propellant for your own sort of experience watching the movie um, and the tension and the the sort of climax of the sequences. Um, and in in a lot of ways, it's it's very unlike a traditional horror movie because uh, it has um, well, it it there's there's certain things that it. Um, that that differentiates it from a horror movie. I don't want to spoil it uh, too much, but but in in a lot of other ways, it it's very similar in structure and in sort of how it um, how it be, how it pits uh, certain elements of the story together. So I do want to talk a little bit more later on when we get to spoilers about sort of the crossover of and you know is this a horror movie? Is this not? I think it is pretty um, pretty openly, but, um, there's, there could be an argument there. Um, and yeah, I guess a a little background on the story. Um, this takes place in the world of, um, Hannibal Lecter, um, who, you know, again, is a very famous fictional character now. Um, he's had a lot of spinoffs and, uh, you know, a TV show and whatnot, um, after his, you know, his story, but, um, it, he's not a real person, but you know, the, it's based on a book. Um, Hannibal used to be a psychiatrist and in this movie he is a prisoner, um, and has a long litany of past crimes, uh, but, it, but is enlisted by the FBI and specifically a, a young trainee, uh, named Clary Starling, who is, um, you know, sort of joining her way into into the FBI and uh, getting in good graces with the behavioral science department. Um, And uh, Hannibal is enlisted to catch an ongoing serial killer who um, has kidnapped uh, someone who is very important. Um, And I guess that's all I'll say about that. But um, it's the story of... It's a a manhunt to, to capture the... Uh, the serial killer, but it's also sort of a relation, a relational drama between um, Starling and many of her co-workers as, uh, as well as Hannibal Lecter. Um, and, you know, in some ways it's, it's sort of a coming of age story about Starling and uh, her, her own kind of um, journey through, through this, uh, through this experience of catching Buffalo Bill. So, uh, with that, I guess let's talk a little bit about um, what you thought of the movie. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was initially like kind of bored with this film. Um, 
I think it was something about the way that it reminded me of The Fugitive, but not fun. Because I think The Fugitive is really fun, right? Um, And I think it's probably something to do with the 90s style. Um, But I I think you kind of get wrapped up in the performances. You you, you begin to notice structural um, decisions about the filmmaking that make it seem more like a home run instead of, you know, something that is just kind of subpar, right? Um, And so I don't really want to linger too much on how I was a little disinterested because I, I'm like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I feel quite distracted in life right now. (laughs) Um, Sure. So, but I do think the beginning of, of this movie is a little slow. Uh, Alongside, this is a movie that Juliana's actually seen. Her dad made her uh, watch it (laughs) and she was younger and she was, I think, you know, she was like, Oh, you know, the show is not, or, or the movie I didn't, I, it wasn't my thing, you know? Um, and so I was kind of, I don't know, like I, it does seem a little bit more tame than, um, definitely what some of the Fincher movies were doing. Um, and I think that made it feel a little bit more, um, kind of like nostalgic when I was watching it. Like, I was like, oh, this is like an old movie, you know, like back when like, the <laughs> oh, F- really? the, like, no, 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 no. But like, there was like this sentiment in the nineties, like almost a proud patriotism around the FBI and the secret service. Right. And, um, yeah, kind of like yeah. the whole like true crime thing being, um, dark, but still kind of th- more thrilling instead of, um, absolutely horrific you know which (laughs) i think in the 2000s true crime leans really dark into the psychological damage behind some of these people and the people that are involved with uh the crime that they're in whereas this is this it kind of taps into some of that but it is more um it it, like it feels a little bit like there's a a a a spirit of adventure in this movie that Mm -hmm. i don't usually have with true crime films um, so I, I appreciated it being a little bit, um, more, I would say, I think adventurous is the right word, you know, cause it's still like dark material, but it doesn't feel, um, as depressing and cynical as all the Fincher things we watched prior. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. And not to interrupt, but, um, one of the sort of key standout things that I noticed watching that this time is how sort of um, how positive uh, Clarice's character is and sort of how um, uh, she she is sort of this young buck who who is like ready to to get out there and succeed. Um, but then there is the backdrop of of danger and of um, this elusive, you know, several elusive bad guys. Um, and there's, there's like little, little sort of subtle things that the movie throws out there where it's like, she is hopeful despite the fact that everything around her is kind of, um, is a little bit off and is, is kind of throwing, throwing, you know, wrenches in her plan. Um, but yes, it it is a much more, it is a less cynical movie than a lot of Fincher movies. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's this weird, like, l- l- let's talk about Jodie Foster's character. Because I, I think she's a real highlight in this film. 
Um, to me, you know, after watching the, the like garbage disposal of content that's coming out for Disney plus and, and Amazon, <laughs> right? Like, like there, there are female characters that are kind of like, I guess, you know, obnoxiously woke where they, they have no flaws and they know everything. And it's honestly the same way I felt about not just female characters, but a lot of modern movies. Like I, that was my biggest critique with the Batman is that Batman just, he just knows everything and he doesn't really mess up except for some strange, like there's like strange moments of failure. Like when Batman hits his head on like almost like a Looney Tunes, like on a light pole in that movie <laughs> or other moments, you know, uh, like when I watch scenes of rings of power where there's, you know, slight, slip ups from Gladriel's character, but then everything else is, is perfect. You know, um, whether it's a social interaction of her being like fish out of water or something like that. Um, it's just like, uh, Clarice in this film is so likable. Um, she's so capable as well. She's incredibly strong, but not like, um, not unrealistically strong. Like she has, you can tell that she has like, um, kind of emotional cracks in her armor. Uh, yeah. And and I think what makes her likable is that she isn't, um, she's very like to the point-ish, like like she's, she's very open with kind of those feelings, but it comes from a place of desperation with Hannibal's character, right? And it, it is, I brought up Batman because it kind of reminds me of sort of like a Joker and Batman um, interaction between her and Hannibal and they, and they kind of build that throughout the movie. Um, and that, that's pretty fun to play out, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never under, like I have kind of a preconceived irritation with like the Hannibal character. I just don't get the fascination. I don't understand, uh, why he's a character in in fiction that people like love to stick on, you know? Um, I, well, just, I think I'd... I think actually part of it is is just this movie. I mean, there there really is. Um, I think this movie is responsible for a lot of the um, the sort of cultural uh, appeal that that Hannibal has and sort of this, this whole story, you know, story kind of has, um, I think it's owed a ton to, to, to this movie. Um, so in, in some ways, and, and it's, it's strange because he plays a very, a sort of a small role, um, in this movie, but in a, in a, in a way he leaves such a big impact, um, Hopkins does with, with his performance and, um, and I guess I guess the you know the quote unquote fascination is sort of the um, he, he's he's a mysterious character um, watching as an audience member because you don't you don't know if you you really have no way of knowing his his intentions right um, you know that he wants to escape obviously you know that's that's sort of central to his character but. Um, but really you don't know if he wants to, to help Clarice, if he wants to hurt Clarice, um, you don't know if he wants to, to catch, um, Buffalo Bill or if he's, 
um, just toying with the FBI, you know, playing this this cat and mouse game. There, there really is sort of this um, elusive nature to to him as a character, and then just the sort of the the extremely iconic moments that he has on screen. Um, I I think I think it 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 leaves and he's he his performance leaves a lot to the imagination i guess um you you want to see him more on screen or at least mm. i do you know with 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 this this movie and then with the other movies i haven't seen any of them but um you know with uh, from what i hear with a lot of the other movies they're just not as good and they don't capture that that sort of spirit that this movie really does where he's he's kind of this mysterious um, he's almost like a ghost kind of in this movie. You know, he's, he's this kind of, this, he's like the wise man who is also like extremely terrifying and dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like to compare him to like Heath Ledger's Joker. Cause that character is much more chaotic, much more um, like kind of like everyone always compares like the yin and yang kind of build with that. Whereas, um, Hannibal in this film seems much more like like he, it's weird because you don't you want to hate him but you want to see more of him and mm-hmm. uh that's kind of a conflicting experience for the audience alongside he also seems to be the only one knowing what's exactly going on so that also drives yeah. you to want to like figure out what he knows um and they also do a great job and kind of getting into spoilers, but um, you're right. Like you don't know what his, his relationship is with Clarice, but it always feels more friendly than foe. And yeah. that's confusing because you also yeah. know he's bad. Right. <laughs> right, um, right and exactly. so it brings like a much more in, in, like from the very beginning, like you can tell he's a fan of her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know if that's some sort of like evil, like I'm going to kill you kind of fan or if it's like, no, like, or if I'm having fun doing this or if he's trying to get something out of it. Right. Um, or if he's just sort of fascinated as a psychologist, you know, and, and right, that, because he's incredibly smart. Right. So, and, and that's like a lot of their interaction is, um, a therapist patient reaction a relationship yeah, um, yeah which is a very interesting wrinkle into this movie that i i just love i love their talks about you know her as a as a child and you know the, like like those those little bits of information that you get where you know you both learn a bit about um a, a bit about clarice and then you also learn this um sort of you you get exposed to this less harmful and more productive side of of Hannibal as just you know what seems to be an a, a, a like presumably a very credible and excellent psychologist <laughs> you know how right, he's able right. to sort of um tease out these certain details uh in in her life and in her in her story um yeah and and kind of banking off that I also want to comment how the title of this movie is one of the best titles I've seen written for a film in a long time. I think. Yeah. Um, because it really plays into that interaction between uh, Hannibal and Clarice and 
Um, it's also a horrifying um, <laughs> title to read. Uh, there's just something really unsettling about the cover and the way it's written out. And as you're watching the movie, you're like, I'm not entirely sure where the title is going to come into play with this. Mm-hmm. And then when you begin to hear stories later on in the film, you're instantly like, this is an important moment because of the way the title's written. I just, I don't, right. I don't know yeah. a lot of movies that are, um, excellently <laughs> kind of titled in that way. Now I have to ask, is this, ba- this is based on a book. Is that right? Um, so I think it is. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, uh, original novelist, um, he wrote, okay, let's see. I'm, I'm just looking. He, uh, yeah, it looks like Thomas Harris based yeah. on a, a novel by Ted Talley. Right, right, yes. Uh, exactly. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know if Tom, is Thomas Harris the right is Ted Talley the writer or or the screenwriter? That's what I'm confused about. I don't Hold know. On. I think um, no, no, no. Uh, Ted Talley uh, adapted it to to the screen. Okay, uh, but right. Thomas Thomas Harris wrote the original novel. Um, yeah, and I think I think he came up with with Hannibal and sort of um, started the. Uh, I think it started with Red Dragon was the first uh the first book but i don't know i haven't i haven't read any of the the novels but yes i i from what i understand this is adapted from from the novel so yeah i think an- another thing is about this film is the like there is there are some like a lot of the scenes are extremely intense, but I thought a lot of the violence was handled, um, and, and kind of the horrific elements of this film are, are handled, uh, quite tastefully. Um, I, th- I think the shot, the, one of the most shocking moments happens early on in the film, right. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. in the cell. Yeah. And that's where you're like, Oh, where is this going? You know, it's almost just, right. I, I don't know. Like well, I, well, I there, don't quite, there are some, there are some pretty disturbing moments. And I would say that still sort of, um, st- will stand up. Um, but in, in, in a lot of ways, I think you're right in that, uh, the movie is, um, tame in in certain regards it's not the most uh gory movie ever I, there's there's some elements of it but it really it it leaves um you know it it hides certain things um, but i i think it almost makes it like again like this is what i love about good horror movies and i'm sure i've said this over and over again but like when a movie just gives you enough to kind of add an element of imagination into the viewer that then cycles you into like more fear, uh, in that moment. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there are the things that they do show are more than enough for you. Right. Yes. Well, I will say there is one sequence in the movie that I think maybe is the scariest sequence ever committed to film. Um, and I don't, it could just be me. It could just be like, it triggers something deep inside my, <laughs> my own psyche. Um, but there is one, one particular sequence that, um, I still get freaked out by every time I watch it. Literally it it is this, like, I think about it sometimes late at night and it, it just, it just is so horrifying to me. Um, <laughs> 
Well, and don't tell me it's the night vision James Bond moment. <laughs> it is. Film. It's definitely. Um, it's it's definitely one of the later moments in the in the film. Okay, it's I think I know what you're talking about. I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that le- the later the last confrontation moment is, is absolutely. <laughs> it's a fever dream it is um and it's not in the way like like it's this is this is kind of looping back to clarice right it it's what makes you really realize that you like love this character Mm -hmm. uh and when when like she's stuck in in the final confrontation it's not even that like um it's like the most grotesque or like I haven't I haven't I, I don't know like some some horror movies or like artsy house like weird horror stuff is like just kind of like visually disturbing or distorting and kind of this uh, awkward like s- spiritual way where you're just like I'm unsettled I just don't want to see this something about the ending scene is more like it's a dream that you really don't want to be in. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like, it's not, it's not like so absurd that you're like, that would never happen. Uh, but it's also like one of those things where you're like, I kind of, it's like liminal space. Like I feel like I've been stuck in this amount of anxiety and I've been stuck in a dream like this, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, it, well, um speaking of pt it really is the same anxiety that you get from 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 opening doors in that game yep um or just turning around the corner like that's 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 how i feel in that last sequence it is just so well executed and it and it's so long too it is such a long sort of or it feels so long i guess i i don't really know how long it is but um like the tension in those those moments are oh my goodness um, yeah no, <laughs> dripping they're extraordinary it's nothing it's, n- nothing is worse than doors after this yeah, movie yeah <laughs> and and playing pt like just doors no no i'm just not into that you know yeah 100 100 um, i just oh gosh <laughs> that that is probably the most ominous thing is like hallways doors and darkness nah 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 nah. you know like that is just like you're really that's where you're really pushing the nightmare fuel so yeah um yeah let's let's talk a little bit about uh is it uh ted levin is that right or levine i don't know uh he plays buffalo bill's character oh yes ted i think it's ted levine yeah okay literally shook when I when I saw him because it didn't click at first, um, but this is like the good detective in Monk, uh, and I watched like all eight <laughs> seasons of Monk. Oh, that's and so, so funny! There was like a moment where I was like, "Boy, this guy sounds familiar, and he looks familiar," and I'm I'm so used to him being like kind of like a tough or or a tough like Clint, Clint Eastwood cow like kind of cowboy esque yeah. FBI or, yeah. or he's not an FBI agent. Uh, sorry, he's a he's just like a Clint Eastwood esque uh, detective, like head detective in Monk, and so you love his character in the show, and um, to see him in this role was just was honestly funny. 
Uh, I think that probably took away a lot of the the scare for this because I was just cracking up at him. I was like, I can't believe he's in this role. I just, I can't believe it. You know, it's such a famous movie too. Well, um, I would have, I would have t- the total opposite uh, reaction if I saw Monk today because anytime I see Ted Levine in a movie, I'm like, oh man, Buffalo Bill. You know, he's 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 singing Goodbye Horses, and uh, he's you know he's he's. Uh, He's yelling about lotion and stuff. (laughs) I just, I mean, I I really, because I loved the eight seasons of Monk that I watched. He is fantastic in that show as just, and he's just like a really grumpy, irritated cop and he pulls it off so well. So to see him in a role like this, uh, it is very surprising how he's, he's able to kind of put it together I yeah I don't know I don't know like for me was I was it the like, voice I, it was the voice I think the voice is what kind of like didn't make me buy it yeah, in this yeah, movie yeah. as much because he does have a pretty deep like he has a deeper voice that he's trying to kind of hold back in this well he, um uh, he he generally has like a, a very unique way of talking um yeah it's kind of a deep voice but with like a little bit of nasally yeah yeah, um, yeah. situation going on and in this movie he just has this like i I don't know what it is it's this just intense um sort of uh there's like he's it's like he's he's trying to 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 hold back the the horrifying things that are happening inside of him you know the whole movie yeah yeah and it's it, so good <laughs> It reminded me. I first I thought it was uh, Javier Bardem. You know who I'm yeah, about? yeah. He kind he he does look a little bit like that. Yeah, for sure. Because I have seen Skyfall, and I was like, oh, like this guy kind of is weird. Because he is a very like I think what was weird about the casting is that he is kind of a masculine force in my mind, right? Uh, and I think Javier's the same. You know, in Skyfall, he kind of tries to do a little bit of that like creepier like talk where you're like what like he he looks more masculine than he's trying to sound at the moment you know mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know like to the film's credit you know they're they're they are like trying to um add in some like it's supposed to be a little bit confusing around his gender or he's struggling with that right um so it's yeah like Maybe that's why they kind of went with that direction. I'm not sure, but uh, you can't you can't be doing that to my Captain Stottlemyre. You know, that's all I'm gonna say. You can't be doing that. That's too much. All right. Uh, well, yeah, no, he, I I think he I think he's such a good character because he has this. Um, he 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 really does have this sort of bottled up um, angst in in him, um, and. You know, every time he's sort of interacting normally with someone, it's like there's something like, like itching that he he needs to to scratch, but he can't. You know, it's like, like the first scene that you see him, he uh, he's putting the couch into his car, um, and that that's when he when he kidnaps uh, Catherine Martin, um, and. He he seems polite enough, but there's just something there's something off about him, kind of from the get go. Um, and then there's that switch in the conversation, 
And when that happens, you're just like, oh man, this is, you know, he is, he's, he's a creep. And then sort of you spend, you spend a significant amount of alone time with, with Buffalo Bill um, in this movie. You know, I would say like almost, almost as much time, you know, sort of screen time wise as you get with, uh, with Hannibal. Um, And so it's enough, it's enough to, to really sort of start to um, get a picture in your mind about this character and about, you know, sort of who he is and, and how he interacts um, and, and sort of his, uh, I guess like the things that he cares about, uh, how he's like very affectionate to the dog, um, right. precious and, and, you know, he loves his, his butterflies and he has this sort of like obsession with like crafting and stuff, you know, and like for, for a lot of the stuff that you see, it's, it's semi-normal, but just with a tinge of, of very sour you know there's something there's something that does not smell right and you know obviously it's lurking in the basement under a well with you know fingernails on the side right you know (laughs) yeah like he's definitely deplorable and evil but there is a tragic side to him Mm -hmm. that the film kind of makes you witness it kind of reminds me of um some of the way that there are like like i would say I don't know why I'm thinking of this. Probably because the doorways. But uh, did you ever play any of like Resident Evil 7? No. At all? Um, They do this thing in that game. I haven't played too much of it where they introduce you to a family of crazies and there's kind of like the big crazy guy who's like really just like he just wants to... He's leading the family. He's got the chainsaw. He's the main killing guy. Actually, here's a a better example is um, uh, because we watched this together. Uh, uh, gosh, it's the one uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre where mm-hmm. there's like a family, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and some of the characters, like there's like the brute who, um, you know, he's kind of just like no brain waves, he's just a flat killer, and then there's other characters who are, you know, kind of scared, and there's of course like the mother or the leader, like this kind of the psychological one who's at play, right? I think it's interesting with Buffalo Bill is because he's kind of the scared, like he's definitely evil, but he's more, he's one of those characters that like would kind of be like snickering, but then crying at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting for him to be alone as a, as a villain. um, Right. And like, there's a, there's a, it's also weird to have never connected there's a connection between Hannibal and Buffalo Bill, but there's no like on-screen time. Yeah, uh, there, yeah. There, there's there's never a moment where, um, like, Hannibal's like, "Oh, you're my pawn," or you're like, you know, like there's kind of almost a little bit of an expectation around that, or at least I felt like there there could have been something around that. Um, but yeah, he just kind of is on his own, and um, it's. It's sad, but also you're like, yeah, that guy's totally um, crazy, like just not good, you know. Um, and I and I really yeah. do, I do like the interaction at the end, kind of like the 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 final climax of the movie. Um, and I do like how it's like kind of longer and stuff, but I I think there are some like kind of goofy moments to to the ending um, with like. I just I thought the the night vision thing was so silly. 
love <laughs> I love the night vision thing. I think it oh. looks so good. I it it's it's scary and <laughs> amazing. I don't know what it is. It's it it looks so good. It feels very nineties for me. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, because it really does. Like, it's like a minute of like first person cam, and I'm like, what is this? You know. Like, well, think think about this though. Just the horror of being completely alone in the dark and then knowing that someone else can see you. Um, and it is just, I mean, that's, that's, that's horror, you know, that's sure. That's yeah. pure horrifying. Um, you know, and, and like, I, I love the, there, there, the element to that, that's scary is that there is, you are so vul- vulnerable, not being able to, to see also the fact, I mean, I guess, uh, kind of full spoilers, I guess, you know, whatever it's, it's, we've tried our best We're you're done. Right? It's an amazing, it's an amazing movie. Everybody should watch it. And if you haven't, you know, you, you should, but, um, the, the, the scariest part about that whole sequence too, is she walks in, um, she doesn't know which door to turn. So already, already she, she's vulnerable, right? Um, because, he knows the layout and she doesn't, right? Yeah, you're so that, totally thinking about that as a watcher too, right? She yeah. comes down the stairs, you're like, I don't know where to go. She doesn't know where to go. But you know who does know where to go is Buffalo Bill, right? And it's the first time that you've ever seen anything other than sort of his little door or his little mirror studio thing and the well, right? And that's the first uh, That's the first time that this is an actual place that you've seen, right? Um, you don't get any sort of layouts or like, you don't know, you don't even know where this is. You assume it's a basement or something like that, but you really have no grasp of where this is and how big the space is. And so when she walks down the door, it's completely new. It's it, you have no idea where, where you are in space. And so even though you have sort of, you know, you have this third element where you've been watching him as he's, um, toying with with you know his kidnapped victim um you don't know where she should go either um and so so that's that's already scary right she walks down she's completely vulnerable she doesn't know where he is but he you know has an idea and a grasp of the layout of you know of everything then she walks into the the well and um she she sees the victim. And so there's, there's a little bit of hope there, right. Where it's like, okay, you know, she's, she's, she's there, you know, there, there's still time, you know, he hasn't killed her yet, blah, blah, blah. Um, so like it's, it's like this, this possibility of like, okay, if they only get out of there alive, basically, like that's, (laughs) that's, you know, the, the solution. And then, but you realize that in order to do that, she has to leave um, the the spot, and that's when you know the 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 woman in the well. She's screaming like, "Don't leave!" You know, like what what do you do? Like you have to save me. You have to get me out of this well. Um, you know, and and so every every corner she she goes, you know, she's opening doors, and and she's always afraid that. Um, you know, either Buffalo Bill's going to see her or, you know, there's just going to be something uh, 
very unpleasant around the corner, you know, and and you get a little bit of that when you see the the woman suit, which is an amazing reveal. Um, oh yeah, no, just no, no, so no. that's so that, good. That is a that is a horrifying moment for sure. Um, and then and then you she turns and she she sees something that you don't see yet, um, and then you see the shot of you know this decomposing de- decomposing body in a bathtub which is pretty disgusting. And then the lights turn off. <laughs> and that that's just like the most horrifying moment in the I think in the entire movie. It really is so scary to me. She she walks into the bathroom, the lights turn off and um and then you're like now what? Now what? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Now we we have to get out of this place that we don't know in the dark. And then the added element of there's the voyeurism, right? Where he he can see her, but she can't see him, which is which is scary. And then the fact that you're seeing her um, as an audience member, right? There's this there's this third element of you feeling scared for her um, because you can see what's about to happen. You know what I mean? There's like, there's this, there's something so, um, it's, there's like this dramatic irony with, um, with, with how that sequence is laid out. So I, I, I absolutely love that sequence. I think there's no, um, (laughs) there's no scarier moment maybe in all of, in all of film. It's, it's really, it's, it's so good. It is good. It is. I don't know if I'd go as far as you, Cameron, but I think it is good. And I think what also amplifies the moment is the incredible explosion of action before that's so memorable with mm-hmm. uh, Hannibal's Joker escape. It feels very oh, yeah. much so good. It feels <laughs> it feels very much uh, like a Batman moment um, with you know, and I would say that is the most like probably gross like not gross but like it's probably the most um graphic moments yeah definitely definitely yeah there's two there's there's two very interesting moments where um uh well he doesn't he doesn't kill anybody really on screen um but that that is pretty scary you know there's those those moments where you know he's getting the officers and then they walk in and it's just a horror show and then and then I love the reveal of him being the uh him dressing up as the uh um the officer and being in the that, ambulance. It is I so was good. really I was really surprised by it because when it happened I thought it was pretty funny. Um but I genuinely thought he blew his brains out in the in the elevator. I was like, "Oh, that's just it's it you know like the Mm. movie kind of wraps up for some reason i was in the impression that this was a sequel uh and they were trying to kill off hannibal's character kind of is a sequel but um yeah yeah, so i was like oh he's just he's done and they gotta tie up the loose ends for the end of the movie but um very very thrilling uh conclusion and yeah like i i would say there (laughs) there's a lot of dark stuff in this movie there's a lot that's um Maybe more difficult to stomach, but um, I've been so desensitized after some of the Fincher <laughs> stuff, which is way more in your face. Um, yeah. And not a lot happens off. Well, 
he cl- he does he goes to the breaking point of using off-screen stuff where he shows you just enough but a little bit more and then you're like I'm even double horrified, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. with his That's movies. True. This this kind of it it definitely reels back so I'm probably at that desensitized state. Like if you don't watch true crime and stuff that's a little darker this is probably gonna freak you out a lot um but i like if you're in the mood for this or you're excited about it or you i i honestly think this movie would be a great double feature with the fugitive i really do i'm like there's something about this movie i think that would pair well if you're you kind of you either want to start with the action thriller um, I would say end with the fugitive if you're gonna go with this one, but <laughs> I still think that that, that it kind of swings on an up note. And I I also um, I I found myself really uh, kind of in love with Clarice's like um, fame at the end, kind of where she's at. I like the little um, kind of wink and nod of Hannibal at the end. Yeah, and. I, I love kind of how it circles back around some ideas that uh, about like women in the workplace and kind of maybe the the um, like preconceived notions, um, maybe some of the discrimination that they face, especially in a job like the FBI. And it doesn't do it in a weird or it doesn't do it in a preachy way. It does it in a much more reflective way that makes you buy in to uh what clarice is going through i think she's um much more sympathetic and a very compelling character because you feel some of the injustice that she's facing in the movie with her uh and you're like on her side with it and um she still kind of proves them all wrong and that's really satisfying yeah Uh, as an audience to watch that and be like yeah you know like she is awesome and she went through all that stuff and nobody helped her and they're all taking credit for it you know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah there's just something about it where you're like well i saw what really happened with her you know and so you feel like extra bought in um, yeah well and i think i i love the way that um those moments are placed sort of um I, I don't want to say it's subtle, but it, it's much more subtle than sort of how it's how it would be done nowadays, probably. Yeah, um, yeah. And and th- there's just like there's little touches where it's like you don't need to say anything more than just she gets into an elevator and, you know, everybody's like a foot taller than her and all men, you know, and she's just like, all right, I'm here, you know, or that that scene where, you know, she walks into the room of. Um, you know, where they're, they're examining the body and, uh, and everybody's kind of staring at her. Um, and you just get that, that view, that sense of like, uh, you know, I, I, um, you know, you, you feel it more than, than it's, you know, it's told to you and it's, it's shown too, you know, and like, that's, that's what's so brilliant about it is it's, um, it is true storytelling. You know, this is part of her character is, I'm going to be the best regardless of everybody else staring at me, basically. You know, I'm going to, I'm not doing it because, you know, they, they want me to, I'm doing it because I've got something to prove to myself or, you know, I have this backstory of, um, you know, my, my father who's a hero to me and whatnot, you know? And so like, there's, there's just these little things where Clarice as a character is so, deeply fleshed out 
and and human where you feel like you know these these touches of um you know the the sexism around her it just it feels like it it only strengthens her character um rather than is something to to you know it's not like this movie isn't like oh we're going to break the glass ceiling you know what i mean it's like it's like it just shows you that there's like some disadvantages for her you know she's she's um she's not the one that that people are um are expecting to solve the case if that makes sense yeah i i think the people around her as well like even though there is that sexism there's still like kind of a grounded uh, realism with it where they're not like just obnoxiously rude or mean to her. Yeah. There's just more of a doubt or um, like, I like the interactions with her boss where he's not like, like he, he does that kind of more rude interaction where he's like, Oh, you know, like I just, um, you know, I blamed you for being a woman. And so we didn't want to talk about any sexual crime around you. And she was like, well, I didn't appreciate that. And he was like, okay, like, you know, noted. Um, you're still like, okay, that was pretty sleazy, but it's also like more like, there's like that kind of real HR feeling with it. Um, where, yeah, or just like, that's a normal interaction where it's like, he did, he kind of realizes that like he might've messed up, but he's kind of just trying to justify it. And, and she's like, I don't know. It just, it didn't really, I didn't like that. You know, it, it, it's a different people will treat me different because of, you know, things like that. And he's it makes like, everyone, yeah. yeah, it makes everyone on screen much more like enjoyable to watch because there's like a realism. And then it just makes the whole viewing experience kind of click together like puzzle pieces. Um, yeah. And, so. and everybody, everybody in the movie, I mean, okay. Besides, I guess the, the main people that you see are Clarice and, um, uh, I, I can't remember his name. What's the, what's the, what's his boss? What's the boss's name? Um, Crawford. Uh, yeah. Crawford. Um, yeah. you know, you, you sort of see them interact and then the other people sort of around them, um, the colleagues and whatnot. And, and they both have kind of this, they have like a positive personality, um, and, and flaws that aren't, um, you know, you don't hate them as people, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're both, they're both people who you kind of can relate to and are pretty normal and just kind of generally admirable without being like, this is a shining beacon of our, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, they're just real. They're real sort of, they have a human sense to them. They're, they're just great characters. And then Hannibal obviously is this, um, wild card element and buffalo bill is is sort of the the festering evil of you know maybe someone who's who's dispossessed even you could say um Mm. and and sort of the 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 resentment and hatred um turned into something you know uh, something very dark um because of his you know status or because of the things that are happening to him um so yeah yeah i i think the characters are extremely well written um in in this movie and it just adds to the overall viewing experience like the film really won me over um 
I do think it's a bit dated. I think there were things about it that I was kind of like disengaged. But again, I'm blaming kind of my own personal subjective circumstances, right? Where I was like, oh, okay, well, let's get through this movie for the show. Um, but like to reflect on it, I'm it's there, there's so much there that is done right. Um, I do think it should be watched. I think you should like enjoy, like, I don't know why I'm like, you know, watch, watch this movie, watch the fugitive, watch 12 monkeys. I don't know. <laughs> like, like just, fun with movie, this. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, um, the, the that nineties era sometimes has like this adventure that's, um, missed, I think in today's movies and, and, um, I don't think all nineties movies are like that, but, uh, I, I like, I like 90s blockbusters sometimes they, they just hit good. And this movie kind of, kind of does it in a way that's more creative and more artistic. And, uh, I just, I just really wanted to, to shout out, uh, Darla as well, uh, for her portrayal as precious, the dog, um, you know, also seen in Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Batman Returns. Is that so true? Everybody, everybody knows Ratty Poodle uh, from Batman Returns. So, uh, what a great dog actress! And true, yeah, yeah, she's pretty good in this too. I could have swore I'd seen her in something else, but uh, I did not watch uh, Erie, Indiana on television in 1991. Oh, okay, Fifi. Okay. So. I know you've probably seen that, Cameron. Same year. No, know, I so. haven't, but um, uh, you know that's that's interesting. It's interesting. Um, this no, has I, got look look this up, Cameron. Erie, comma Indiana. This has got to be one of the worst posters I've ever seen for a TV show. Uh, <laughs> you know what it reminds is... me of? Did you ever uh, did you ever have those Animorph books? <laughs> That's that's what that that's what that poster looks like. <laughs> the poster has eerie, and it's just like, first of all, blue border, and then the text is just fire. Okay, eerie yeah, with a blue yeah, border, yeah. just the worst <laughs> colors you've ever seen mashed together, and then Indiana. You know, you could have just put Indiana in that text, and I think you would have got the eerie out of it. So, um, <laughs> I think it's. Uh, oh man! Wow. I think we should watch this, Cameron. That well, should be a Patreon It was a Disney exclusive. Channel show. I know. So, Look at this. You know. um, well, I, I will say, um, as, as far as writing goes, I do think this movie has like so many interesting elements that it's, that it's dealing with in terms of um, just the character things. And, and like I was saying about sort of Clarice and, and Hannibal's relationship as um, uh therapist and and patient um her story and sort of the teasing out of that story with along with um you know getting the the minute little information that that he has about about buffalo bill um i love that final sequence where you know it's in the it's in the prison cell um in the in the hotel or whatever um and you know she's she gets wrapped up in her in her own story about um about her running away from uh from the farm um and about stealing the lamb and uh it's just such a such a beautifully done sequence i really love it i think i think it's like 
Um, well, and the, all of their interactions together, I think, are are excellent. Like, I love the first one where he's like, "I think you're a rube," you know. I think you you don't really know what you're doing here, and you know, try again later, basically. Um, and then, but this one is just like such a, um, I don't know. It's it's just this pure expression of um, why she does what she does. As well as, um, like, why she's so invested in this case, I guess. Um, as well as, as sort of Hannibal's own um, fascination with with Clarice and with sort of the backgrounds of people. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just a, an amazing uh, sequence. I I really can't can't get enough of it. So, and actually, every time I watch it, every time I watch this movie, I like it more and more and more. Um, and it's it's becoming one of my favorite movies. Honestly, it really yeah. is. Uh, I could see that. I could see that if you watch it a few times, you get over that, you know, kind of the initial plot and shock. Like I think the movie starts to really start to like kind of peel away those those more intricate details that you you don't really see uh, or think about. The the details I I wanted to mention and they're not important, but they're just things that stood out to me. Um, in the final confrontation, there's that scene where she's looking at the world map. I think that is so uh, good. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it resonated with me. I was like, there's something just, I don't know if there's something behind that. Well, yeah. Why is it's, it a world map? You know, so like, it's, it's the map, uh, it's the map of sort of the Eastern part of the U S and you've seen the map before you've seen part of the map before. Um, because you know that this is, this is just another sort of piece of information of, you know, where he might be finding certain rivers that he's disposing bodies of, you know? Right. Right. So, I mean, that that's a really cool moment. I also like the, um, the scene where they are looking at the body and they find the moth in the throat. Uh, it's not the scene itself that really captivated me. It was the use of the camera that the guy's shooting with and how it's like explosive. It's like, like he's like shooting these <laughs> ma- massive photos. And I'm like, wow, that's just, I don't know. Stylistically. I'm like, if I, if I was ever involved in some kind of true crime thing, I I'd totally go back to those like cannon fire cameras, you know, where they're just like, <laughs> like they're, and then he's like shooting it down her throat to like get the picture, you know, yeah. he puts the camera to her mouth and it's like, wow, this is like, I don't know. And it has a little extension piece it. where it's like, this is, it, it's like to tell you that this is like where it's in focus. It's like kind of like a macro um, yeah. piece, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. That I, th- I thought that scene stood out. And um, when she goes to the library with the bug experts, I like the little moment where the guy that's kind of cross-eyed, like tries to flirt with her. <laughs> that's it's just very, yeah. I don't know. It's very, uh, it's like um, you could tell that they're all good friends or something or, you know, they've, they've talked before and things like that. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, it's like kind of was... endearing, but also like, it still, still is another like element of, of sexism or whatever, you know, it's, it's still, you know, an element to, 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 to pick on if you're, you know, if you're looking at it that way, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's kind of, it kind of is endearing and her reaction to it is 
to to shrug it off a little bit and be like, "Are you? Well, yeah, doctor, are you hitting on me?" <laughs> she's almost like having like it's fun. It's fun for her. She's not yeah. threatened by anything. And the guy looks like a kind of a doofus too. Yeah, <laughs> like on screen. Yeah. So it's 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 fun. Um, but that yeah, reminds those me just of li- um, of in seven when they when they go to uh, or when when Somerset goes to the library, you know, and he's. He's uh, doing all the research. That's what that that sequence reminds me of. Love, I love that movie. I love Seven. Man. Yeah, dang, that is yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think that movie definitely <laughs> that movie it would ruin a movie like this. Um, and well, it did come out afterwards, said, so it, it it I know it is building off of the legacy. I would say for sure. I think it's a better movie. Yeah, I think, you don't need to I compare so them. I want to say that you don't need to compare them. And also, uh, this movie is still so well put together that, uh, that hasn't like, I thought it would kind of taint my perspective of this one. And instead I've walked back on reflection and been like, well, like, no, there is something really special about this film. Right. Yeah. Um, I also want to say like on, with our discussion, I'll be transparent. Like I thought I was going to be a lot harder on this movie because I was kind of bored. Mm. Um, and like, as I was, as we were, I, I knew I was anticipating you asking me like, Oh, you know, like, what do you think of the movie? And I was like, well, I'm just going to start with like my initial feeling, but then I'm going to like focus on the things I liked. And as I went through that list of things I liked, now the show is basically over <laughs> and we spent the whole time talking about things we like. So like, True, I mean, yeah. I, so let's give it credit where it's due, right? Yeah. Um, well, and I would say, I would say, like, I personally have never found this movie boring. So it, it's it's probably it could just be you know where you are in in time and your attention and whatnot. But um, not to say that that's bad. Obviously, it's understandable. But um, to me, I just I love. I think this movie is paced really well because it gives you it gives you the little bits of information that I I just love um in in sort of mysterious movies like this where it's like gives you a little bit and then you know you learn more and you get some background and then then it gives you a bigger clue and and you're sort of sucked down this rabbit hole into what is just the best climax. I mean it it really is. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, it just is so good. I love I I we didn't even talk about this, but I love the fake out. Um, oh yeah, the dual breach. Amazing. That's really good. Amazing. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and it's it's something that like if someone did that now in a movie, or like if I, if I ever see that again, I'm gonna be annoyed because it's like no, they just they they did it better. You know, you know what I no, mean. Like it's. I disagree with that. I I I think people would go crazy uh, if if they actually pulled it off right. Um, because like, I kind of saw that that was coming from a little while away, you know? Um, but, but there's, some, yeah, I, there's it, something so ominous about it coming right after the fact that, right. So she, she, she gets the, you know, she, she gets the dog down, which is another great sequence too. You know, yeah, she gets yeah. the dog down, um, and she's kind of fighting for her life there. And there's this like tension between them. And so he's already like agitated. He's already like amped up a bit. 
Um, and then he goes upstairs and you think, you know, the, the door is ringing, uh, you, you know, you see all the FBI guys, you think it's going to be that, you know, obviously there's, uh, I was, I was actually looking because there isn't a lot of tells, um, but you know, and it, and it does a good job of, of really like double faking you out because it does the, does the ring twice, you know, um, and so you you do think that it's it's going to be the the FBI breaching, um, but but when it's Clarice, it's just such a like uh, like an oh no like this is <laughs> this is not good. She's not prepared for for you know what this is like like how this is going. And also, I think I think the one thing that gives it not gives it away, but is a little bit of a tell is all through the rest of the movie. Basically, everybody but Clarice is kind of making mistakes, you know, with Hannibal or with, um, you know, they're all kind of being led down this this false pathway by both of the killers. Um, and the only one who's kind of honing in more and more is Clarice. Um, yeah. and so that's that's kind of the that's like the narrative of of how it, you know, how it fits together. And so it just oh, yeah. it feels it feels justified uh, that fake out does. I I just love it. I think it's so good. It's awesome. So Cameron, I think we're both you know recommending it. I think if you're uh, if you're looking for true crime horror, I think this just totally nails that. Uh, as far as October goes, like if you watch true crime year round, like this is your October movie, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like two thumbs up for it, Cameron. <laughs> we never i've never given a thumbs up what am i talking about? <laughs> two thumbs up isaac ransom that's a box quote <laughs> For, <laughs> uh yeah i would say the movie is for everyone unless you hate uh true crime or you're scared of that kind of thing i i think if you're yeah. into true crime you know it if you're curious about it i think it will do pretty good uh juliana does not like this movie but she saw it a long time ago so i don't know um, i would say I, if, I don't know, you know, obviously people live in different places, but usually every year um, this like pops up in in theaters, you know, mm. like around Halloween time. And it's one of those movies that I think is so good in theaters. I've seen it. I, I think I've seen it twice uh, in theaters, once at the Alamo and then once somewhere else. Um, so if you can catch it in the theater, I, I would recommend it. It's it's a great it's a great movie to watch with other people for sure. So great. Well, Cameron, what are we watching next week? Um, okay. I haven't decided yet, but I think I haven't decided yet. I'll just leave it at that. We'll talk about it off, off, off air. <laughs> oh, come on. Why can't we just make the decision right now? Cameron, uh, well, just cause the I, audience, I have a, um, I'm, I, I don't know. I just have a, um, all right, fine. Let's do it. We're doing Suspiria, 1977. Let's do it. Ugh. I do not want to watch this movie. I'll just tell you that right Why? now. Why? It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like the movie I don't want to watch. Come on. Come on. It's amazing. <laughs> it's this. Well, I, I, I don't know very much about it besides the fact that it's, like, trippy or something like that. So, um yeah, I don't know. It's I'm a great like, movie. It, it, you, we're gonna have fun watching this. It, we'll. Uh, <laughs> we should watch it together, Cameron. Okay. Yeah, that? we could. Yeah, definitely. 
I'll say let's put that on the on the books unless something changes with um like there's a way we could see Barbarian together. That would be cool. That would be cool. That. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll eventually I we will probably watch that movie this month. Period. So if you're gonna watch it, we will get to it. Uh, if not this week, yeah. Um. Then probably the week after. So, um. And with that, I think you know we post every Tuesday. I think <laughs> if I can edit this tonight. Um. And we appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.